If you'll give me just a couple of minutes, um, for those of you that I think that are in the house and certainly those that are going to be meeting this week, um, that we're trying to unpack uh, this series that we've entitled, I've Got Questions. And we're looking at some of the challenges that people have in life and some of those big why questions. Why does this have to happen? We talked a little bit last week, why do bad things happen to good people? And you hear comments and thoughts and questions like that. And sometimes we kind of scrape together. How do we put some of those big things together? And, and today's really a, was going to be a, a, just the way we had lined up our series. And just as it came to be to celebrate Joss, there wasn't really uh, you know, a lot of planning that way. But today is a little bit of a heavy kind of word and, and maybe to answer a, a really tough and, and big question that, that we have a lot of times. And one of the things that I've learned is that if there's kind of an unwritten rule in church, and if you want to keep people happy, you want to keep them coming back every Sunday, some of those unwritten rules are that you don't talk about politics, uh, you don't talk about money, right, and you don't talk about sin or hell. Uh, you know, there's kind of a, a culture today that within churches, we just kind of want to keep it light, we want to keep it friendly, we want to keep it happy, and, and hopefully just moody enough for, for people to attend. And, and so you're going to get off the hook on a lot of that stuff. I'm not going to talk about politics, I'm not going to talk about money today, but I'm going to ask the question and help maybe direct the question about what is hell all about? Uh, you know, when we come to church, we, I think, are kind of brought with the idea of this idea of, of, of heaven and, and hell. And we certainly can talk a lot about heaven, and we think that that's really a lot of good stuff. But unfortunately, in our world and our culture today, and maybe even more so, we've lost that push or that understanding about what's the other side of the story? What, 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 what is hell really all about? I mean, it's definitely become a little bit more flippant. I know that when I was growing up, or maybe when I was Jocelyn's age, and when I was going to church, we couldn't even say the word hell, whether in church or any time in our life. How many are with me? I mean, if we came anything close, we had to say H-E double hockey sticks. Anybody, anybody remember that, right? I mean, I, we get our mouth washed out with soap, uh, you know, for just even inferring uh, this idea of hell. And yet today we talk about people, you know, that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, in our texting, a lot of people use those little uh, initials about W-T-H, uh, that, that there is a lot of reference that people put still with the idea of hell and yet not ever fully understanding what it's all about. And, and I think just quickly today, because it's not really preached about uh, much anymore. When I was growing up, it was uh, maybe a more constant diet in church about, about the, the fear of, of hell. And, and maybe as the church in total, uh, you might see uh, YouTube videos or, or pastors on TV. I, I would imagine that most of you would scratch your head to say, Pastor, I don't know when the last time it was that I ever heard a message about hell. And so I want to take just a, a moment with you and biblically walk through Scripture. And, and again, for those of you that are joining with us maybe for the first time or you're early, thank you for just sticking through this with us today. And, and much more for those of you that are going to be in life groups all week because this is a chance really to dig in and maybe peruse some more questions and for us to dig a little bit deeper on this really, really important subject. I think there are three vested characters in the story of hell. There's God... There's Satan, or maybe we call him the devil, and then ultimately it's, it's us. It's maybe more particularly, it's, it's you. And, and I just want to kind of propose this, that if indeed heaven is real, and, and maybe our understanding of the horrible description about what hell is, then there's a couple of things that I want you to see. Because I guess at the end of the day, you're either going to believe 
what God says or what the Bible says or you're not. And so maybe it's just a 50-50 here today. And I think that really even in the close of our service today, it's really just left with a decision that, that just hopefully maybe laser focuses a lot of us today to say, what is it that I really know and, and what decision and based on what can I really make that life decision? And so I think within those three characters, we see First of all, I guess this is the way I would see it played out if I wanted to let people know that about the reality of hell, that, that a loving God would want you to know everything about hell so that you could avoid it at all cost. And I think that's the heart of Scripture. I think that's the heart of God is to let us know because it's a place that he would never want us to go. I think if it was left up to the devil, I think he would try to convince us that it's not real. That, that it's just a, a fantasy, it's a fake. Uh, that, so it just allows us to do whatever we want, live however we are, justify our sin, our love for the world that, that we know is not going to last and then just be done with it. And then again, ultimately, the us part is that we have to determine or we have to decide who then is telling me the truth. If we're going to entertain it, do, do I believe what God says about it or, or would I believe what what the devil says then and obviously he's going to kind of be kid gloves like hey it's not that bad and so we're caught kind of in the middle this 50 50 on both sides about what is going to draw us to believe uh, when this life or when eternity begins that what's next and i think that's a question that a lot of people struggle with of, of all the funerals that i do throughout the year that's always the telling question people are wondering pastor jim what's the reality of what's next nobody 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 can tell us, like when we say our final breath, uh, uh, or we hear a mix of messages, and so we're so unsure about eternity. And here's what I want you to know, is that Jesus actually talked more about hell than anybody else, and almost anything else that we read about in Scripture. I would propose to you today that there is a loving God that wants you to know the reality, and wants us to avoid hell at all costs. But here's something more that maybe you're not aware of. When you read of all the descriptions that Jesus talks about in the Bible about hell, he's not trying to scare you out of hell. That, that's, not what, that's not what Jesus' message was all about. Most of the time, his message was to motivate those of us that know him to act more spiritual, to follow more strongly in our faith so that there is no chance of us ever missing eternity with him. And I think that's a mind shift for a lot of us that, that sometimes we just get so fo focused or, or fixated on, on, on all this sensualization about what hell is all about when really God wants you and I to know that if we know him, if we're going to trust him, that we want to live and follow him the best we can so that we avoid hell for all of eternity. It wasn't a fear tactic to scare people to heaven. It was a motivating factor for people because Jesus did not want to be eternally separated from us. I watched a video almost by accident, random, this past couple of weeks in preparing for today. And it was a ministry, a message video that incorporated convicted felons that stood before a judge and they were receiving a sentence of either death 
or life in prison without parole. And it was very moving because there was a clip of a, of a minister sharing the gospel and then it would break uh, to a courtroom, a, a real live courtroom. And, and the defendant was standing there, oftentimes maybe in an orange jumpsuit or shackled, and the judge would pronounce this life sentence. And time and time again, that, that felon would, uh, often would fall to the ground. Um, they, they would burst out in tears. They would scream. They would yell to their family at this eternal judgment that was placed upon them. And it really gripped my heart because I think a lot of us, we can identify. We've watched shows or we understand the legal system or maybe we could put ourselves into that for just a moment. Like, like how would I feel if something like that happened to me and, and a judgment came against me about life in prison without parole? And it totally devastated that individual. And yet then we recognize that that is really just a drop in the bucket of an eternal sentence that can be brought against those that do not follow the ways that God unlaid his journey for our life. It, it, it wasn't just something mystical. It was something now that became very tangible. And yet we have a world and maybe some of us that are very flippant about an eternal judgment in a place called hell because we're not aware truly, at least from a biblical standpoint, about what decision I have to make for my eternity. In fact, Jesus gave these illustrations when we read through the Gospels. He said, if your eye is getting you in trouble, cut it out. If your tongue is leading you to sin or in a wrong path, cut it out. In fact, what Jesus was really saying, the point is, it would be better to go into heaven maimed than it would go into hell fully intact. Are you tracking with me? I mean, this is a decision, really, and I know it's a heavy, heavy load for us to kind of carry this morning. For those in the New Testament, the, the word in, in the Greek in, that we read in, in the Gospels is the word Gehenna, when it talks about hell. And, and it was a very live and real illustration for the people in Jerusalem that day. Because it was a real place. The, the, the picture that was given of hell was the Hinnon Valley. Um, it was the place where, where people would throw their rubbish, their trash, where executed criminals that had no family, that their bodies were thrown on these, on these raging ash and, and fire piles in this entire valley that was just outside of Jerusalem. In fact, they say that it was a valley that burned for years and years and years. There was always more stuff that was being thrown into this garbage dump. And so when the New Testament writers refer to hell as this burning Gehenna, that the people had a, a really quick and understanding mindset about what they were talking about. And so, again, this eludes maybe yours and I idea that hell is just the basement or some dungeon of, of heaven where bad people go. We're trying to figure out, and people ask the question even, well, where is it and, and wh what happens in it? But, but when Jesus was talking about Gehenna, uh, about Hades, the, the people had this idea, oh, yeah, we know that valley. We've, we've seen the, the heat and the fire and the disgust and the smell and, and, and all the horribleness that, that is in that valley. And, and yet, of us getting a visual, I, I'll give you another really tough example that I think is even more valuable to us, is that I believe the best understanding of hell is the absence of the presence of God. You see, it would be well for us to have a, a visual to 
to have something to reflect on. And, you know, again, we have this idea of fire and torment, and we think about furnaces, and, and our minds can go in certain places to help us in, in a finite sense to recognize, like, what, what is the, the full understanding of this? And yet, I, I would try to do my best to help you to understand that as terrible as all of that is, what's even worse is facing eternity absent from the presence of God. I hope that whether you've been here at Real Life for a long time or maybe just newer today and just even in our worship, I, I hope that you would say, wow, that's, that was like pretty powerful. That was like pretty amazing. Like when, when people are just connected in worship to God and, and just inviting his presence into our midst. And, and I would just try to tell you, but if you could multiply that like five billion times is really the flavor of what eternity in heaven is going to be like. And that the devastation of hell would be that none of that will ever exist. So I want to give you just a couple of quick thoughts, and I, and I know that we're up against it. So just give me a couple of moments here this morning. I want to answer some of your questions this morning. I've got just three quick ones. And number one is that hell exists for God to righteously punish the devil or Satan. So that you understand that heaven was never created for humanity. It was never created for his creation, you and I. It was always because of a rebellion and disobedience of Lucifer, the, 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 the beginning name of, of, of the devil when he went against God in heaven and was banished from them. And God was going to prepare a place where that evil would never exist and would never be seen of again. And so God created what we understand as the place called hell. And I know the struggle when we talk about Satan or the devil that a lot of us in our culture, we just see him as this harmless dude in the red jumpsuit and the, the pitchfork, right? And so it's hard for us to put all of these pieces together. But here's what I want you to know is that Satan, that the devil is the embodiment of everything that is evil. So behind every addiction, there is Satan. Behind every abuse, there is Satan. Behind every fear, every harm, every hurt, you say, Pastor Jim, how do you know that? Well, again, I'm just, again, on this line, let's, we're just looking at God's word. We're saying, what does God say about this? And the Bible says that his name is the destroyer, the deceiver, the dark angel, the accuser, the tempter, the wicked one, the thief, the father of lies. His mission is to kill, to steal, destroy. He wants to steal your joy, kill your faith. He wants to destroy your health. He wants to ruin your finances. He wants to obliterate your marriage. He wants to harm your kids. And so hopefully, we, when we read scripture, we recognize that if you are the embodiment of all evil, then there should be punishment for that. And God says that I'm going to create a place for him, and it's going to be called hell. Hell is also a place for the punishment of sin, everything that rebels against God. And I know, like I said, I fully understand we're in a culture today that we don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about hell. We don't want to talk about being bad. Uh, you, you know, we're not, we're not building churches on hardcore doctrine of the Bible anymore. Churches want to be happy. Uh, they they want to be blessed. They want to hear a good word and, and just go out and just live my life and do my thing. And so I recognize that. I wrestle with that this week. And yet I recognize that that's not the power or the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I feel my obligation and my duty to you. You can choose and decide you're going to have to, but I want you to know the truth of only the two sides that you're going to have to live your life with. And so the truth of the matter is, is that Scripture says there is a standard, uh, and I know that is so counter-cultural for 2023. 
We're living in a life where we're simply, hey, you do you. And, and don't you dare tell me how to do me. And we're finding that in every sordid part of our life and our society today. We, we're afraid to say anything, right? Because it's going to be offensive to someone because everybody is writing their own truth. And again, you may have another opinion, but just let me tell you, my belief and based on scripture is that there is only one truth. Again, I know it's not popular. I know some of you today are, are going to want to fight me on this, and so I get that, but I just want to be faithful to God's word for a few moments today. You see, it is impossible for God to be holy without him also being just. And so we want the holiness of God. We want the love of God, but unfortunately, his justice has to deal with everything that is unjust, injustice. And so there is a cause for punishment. Second thing is the reason is that God has to righteously punish evil. For those of us that are without God, without his plan of, of help, without salvation. The Apostle Paul tells us that God will punish those who do not come to him through what Christ did. We celebrated Easter a few weeks ago. That was through the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection to pay for our sin. So I believe that all of you, whether you fully believe it or not, but our churches are packed on Easter because we want to memorialize that story without ever living the motto of what Easter is all about. But you can't separate them. You, if you believe, one, that Jesus came to die for our sins, then you have to realize that I've got sins that need to be cured, that, that need to be healed, that need to be forgiven. And I know it's harsh, it's painful. Listen, I know, this isn't fun for me, but I believe that it's powerfully true for us. But if we don't accept the reality of hell, we'll never appreciate the depth of God's goodness and his grace. Because again, my point to you is that it was never created for us. This isn't a place that God relishes to, to place people to hell. And there's just one quick story, and I'll be finished this morning. We read it in Luke chapter 16. In fact, we, we read very little about hell. We get a sense that it's a, a dark place, a nasty place, a, a place of fire and burning and all those kind of things. But we don't really have a, a movie of, of heaven. But Jesus told one story in Luke chapter 16 that kind of envelops this whole process. And it was between a really rich man and then a, a poor beggar. And the Bible says that this guy lived in purple linen and robe with, with just, again, and the, the reflection of the writing was that he was beyond wealthy. He was the, the Elon Musk, the, the Jeff Bezos, the Bill Gates of, of, of early Jerusalem. Uh, super wealthy. And, and who would lay by his doorstep was this beggar, poor guy that had nothing. And it says that culturally at times back then that after these big meals that people would actually wipe their hands with bread that was left on the table to kind of clean off the mess and then they would just throw it to the dogs so it, was, it kind of served two purposes they could kind of feed the animals and it would start to cleanse their hands and and the bible says that the beggar just would beg for the scraps that the dogs normally would get just somehow to sustain him for one more day and jesus said the day came where they both died they both died and he first goes to the rich man who found himself in Gehenna, in Hades. And he was looking up, and he realized the flame and the torment and everything that was happening. But he could see across this fixed chasm that now this poor beggar was standing full and 
strength and, and fullness of life and, and bronzed and, and colored and, and everything that was anti of what he was here on earth was now completely changed uh, against what they would call Abraham's side, Father Abraham to the, to the Jews. That's, that was their great leader. And the rich man found himself in torment. Again, this is Jesus telling the story. And then he was being punished and he could see Lazarus being comforted. And so what did he do? Jesus said that he cried out that if Lazarus would just take his finger and, and dip it in some cool water and just put it in his mouth so that somehow the agony of the fire and torment could somehow be reduced. And then the second thing that he simply said, Father, I beg you that you will send Lazarus back to my family. I've got five brothers after me that none of them know this reality or know this truth. And so I beg you, to send him back and warn them, I don't want them to come to this evil place. And so let me just give you four things today, very quickly, about this whole story. And I'm sure that for some of you, if you've been in church, or you've probably heard about this story at some point, so I don't have to belabor it, but I want to give you just four things to go home with today. First of all, I want you to know in this story of hell that the rich man was fully conscious and aware while he was what Jesus described as being in hell. He had memory. He was hurting. He was fully conscious and fully aware of his suffering. I think a lot of people think, or one of the rumors of hell is, hey, listen, it's going to be a party. Like, all, we're all going to be there. Like, we're going to be drinking, you know, Miller Lite, and, you know, there's going to be dances on Friday night, and listen, just like what we have down in the bars and where we hang out, like, it's just going to be like that, so don't sweat it. And again, that's the decision some of you are going to have to make. You're going to believe your friends, and you're going to believe the world, or you're going to believe the creator of heaven and of your life and what he's trying to communicate. And what he wants you to know is, is that you will be conscious in eternity, whether in hell or in heaven. There is going to be an understanding of your eternal situation. The second thing that we read is that the rich man's eternity was irrevocably fixed. In other words, when it's over, it's over. Today, Jesus said, is the day to make a decision. Because once you step into eternity, you can't buy your way out, you can't barter, you can't get from one place to another, that our eternity is forever fixed. Again, you can read it more thoroughly today in, in Luke chapter 16. And then the rich man knew that his suffering was just. That's the third thing. You see, he knew, as we read about it, that it was fair. You say, how do you know that, Pastor Jim? Although he complained about the pain, he never complained about the injustice of why he was there. So we get a description, man, this is a horrible place. This is, this is bad. Like, like I, I, how am I going to deal like another moment, another second, let alone an eternity in this? And that's all he talked about. He never said, God, how dare you? God, listen, you made a mistake. God, listen, somehow the numbers or the names got mixed up. Uh, you missed a, a letter in my name, and, and I shouldn't be here. And I want you to know that that is the reality of eternity. You're going to know that you're going to know either you're going to be in heaven, or you're going to know, or you're going to know that one day you're going to be in hell. And that God wasn't playing favorites, it wasn't a mistake, but it was based on, again today, this 50-50 decision. 
Either I believe God or I'm just going to trust in what I think is going to happen. And then the fourth thing is that the rich man begged and pleaded for someone to go back and tell his brothers about the opportunity that he had forsaken. The heart of, it's this desperate, it's this disastrous that I wouldn't want anybody to come. So let me finish with this because it's really then in knowing the truth of the Bible lays out in this story, then what do I do? So maybe, Abigail, you're with me, you can just help. We're going to close. Do I believe and do I trust in the truth of my eternity? You see, again, just let me remind you, I think the devil's take in all of this is to tell you, hey, don't worry, live it up. Live your party here, it's going to be a party in eternity. Listen, if I was a wicked, evil person, I, I think we can reason or ration enough. That would be my MO. Like, why would I tell you the truth? I've been deceived. I made wrong choices. Like, like I'm, I'm going to draw as many as I can. But the gospel, the Bible, wants you to understand the stakes of your decision. See, it's true that God loves us. The reality that most of you are here today, you say, I... How does God love me? Well, he sent his one and only son to go through the most horrible, crazy death of crucifixion, humility by the hands of, of these who he created, to destroy him and to nail him to a cross so that he can make a way for you and I to know this is how much he cares and he loves you. But his holiness and his justice are equal. And they have to deal with what's wrong within us. And the truth is that without Christ in our life, we are lost and we will be eternally separated from the presence of God. Listen, God wants you to have an amazing life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. There's never a thought that God wants to be eternally separated from us. But but don't be so simple-minded to think that God's just some grandfather just looking to wink at all of our sinfulness or all of our wrong actions and just pat us on the head like, hey, even though you still do wrong, like, daddy still, granddaddy still loves you and you're going to get it. I'm sorry, but his justice as a judge will never allow that to happen. And we've talked about that before. None of you would be, ever be happy to go into a court setting where someone has tragically hurt a family member of yours and the judge just winked at him and said hey don't worry like I'll do whatever it takes I'll get you off we wouldn't put up with that we would never allow that to happen to somebody that we loved that's what justice is somebody has to pay for what was wrong and the fact is, is that you and I could never do that for our sin but God did for you and for me what we could never have done for ourselves and that's why Jesus came so the gospel is true that God is love, but he is also just. God does want you and I to spend eternity in heaven with him, and he wants us to shun hell for all that it's worth. But we simply understand, do I believe Jesus? In fact, what I've read to you today in the story was from Jesus himself. Do I believe that when it's over, it's over? Do I believe that one day I'm going to be held accountable to the choice that I made is there any way to get out of that deal that's how serious a day like today is all about
So I want to challenge you here this morning. In fact, we're going to have this on our podcast. It'll be on our live stream. And maybe you need to kind of roll through this again this week. Or those of you in life group this week, man, this might be a heavy and a big one to kind of process. Man, Pastor Jim kind of laid a lot of heavy stuff on us today. And like, where do we go from here? But I want you to know where do we go from here is, I would tell you, put your faith in Christ. Put your hope in a God who does love you and a God who is going to make a way for you into eternity. And, and whether you want to or not, just at least say, well, listen, even if I don't believe this guy, like thank God there's at least a guy in Erie, and I'm sure there are others, but at least there's one guy willing to say the truth or put it out there. Like even if it makes me angry, even if I don't want to believe him, even if it makes me mad, like, like thank God there's somebody right, that's going to tell me so that I can make a decision and make a choice. I've told students when we did youth ministry, and I've told adults for all my life, listen, if I could make this choice for you, done deal. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. It's a decision that hopefully you presented with the facts, with the truth, have to be faithful to do that. So I want to pray over you today. Thank you for giving me a little extra time and this very special service, and to Leah really strong message on you today that I hope that that will cause you to think about where your life is going. I'd love to have you to come back. We're going to talk about more of these kind of things. Pastor Jim, I've got a lot of other questions. Great. I've, I've got a lot of other help for you. That maybe we can take some steps to help, not only help you in this life, but my biggest desire is that I can help you to step in to the next life. One that's going to be filled with joy and peace and worship and amazing things can't even describe that I pray that today you'll wrestle with making the right choice today so would you bow your heads with me Father I thank you today Lord amidst worship and celebration yet just that you knew that today was coming you knew we had other things planned but but this was going to be the word for today and you knew who was going to be here today as well so God I'm simply just going to leave that with you with a heart of love and gratefulness and thanksgiving that we that we serve in a church that's okay with hearing straight forth gospel even when we're uncomfortable even when we struggle with it God that you'll just allow your word that's my prayer today just allow your word kind of help people I before I just say the final amen friends maybe wherever you're at today I would encourage you you can make that choice today to say I'm I want to know Jesus I want to know eternity with Jesus and the Bible says simply that we just invite Jesus into our life you say, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to believe Pastor Jim. I know he's a good guy. And, and I know your word is, is way greater than him. And so I'm just going to take this challenge that I've had in my life. And for this week, I'm going to investigate. I'm going to read. I might get online. I might search this out a little bit more because eternity hangs in the balance. And this could be my day or this could be my week to fully trust in Jesus, to make him the savior of my life. And so, God, I pray for people today, whether today as we talk at the end of service or maybe this week that, that we're going to step into that journey. And God, I just pray your Holy Spirit would just speak to every heart. Just cover every head. For those that, that might want to push into that this week, I pray, Jesus, your presence will just be overwhelming in their life. Show them and lead them, I pray, into knowing you. That's the work of your Spirit of God. And I'm grateful that you're way better at it than I am today. 
So I pray on this journey that you will help people to know that you're a loving God, you're a good God that has so many amazing things waiting for us. And yet, again, that wants us to live that way today, preparing for what the joy of heaven is going to be in our lives. So God, we pray this blessing upon this church family. In Jesus' name, amen.